0: This episode contains language and content of an explicit nature. Listener discretion is advised. Before a song is released, a record is produced, or a chorus is written, the musicians that write them think a lot. They live a lot, and they feel a lot. Before the chorus dives into the stories and experiences that shape these artists, and ultimately, the music we hear. I'm your host, Sophia Lopercaro, and this episode's guest is Bea Beeman. Bea Beeman is a solo artist based in Los Angeles who has collaborated with the likes of Chris Cornell, Keegan-Michael Key, Dave Eggers, and Boots Riley. On his latest record, I'll Sleep When I'm Famous, Bea balances feelings of hope and grief. It is a deeply existential album, exploring how we choose to live our lives and face our ultimate fate. But in the end, the record offers a sense of hope and peace. We can live on after tragedy and hold on to love while we're still here. We're going to start from the first track, which is Helpless, which I think is such a good tone setter for the record, just because a lot of the record is just grappling with the temporary nature of life. And this first song, you know, like the opening lines are, well, we might be helpless, but we've got an open heart, and that's a good place to start. And I feel like it just beautifully toes the line between, like, there's nothing we can do about it, but <laughs> we can try and be okay with it. And that's, that's again, somewhere to start, if you will.
1: Yeah, it's like a uh, agnostic gospel song. Sort of. it's, uh, um, it's something that was born out of a long, not like one experience, but many experiences and, and developed over time. It was a song that I wrote during the pandemic for sure. Um, and But it, it did take a while to complete. I completed it about last year, but sometimes I just work on stuff and they get added to the Rolodex and then uh, I revisit them later. Um, but yeah that one definitely sets the tone and it's, it's a lot of people's favorite song on the album as well uh, <laughs> that's, that played a part in it being the first song um but sonically it's it's pleasing and I like the message a lot um, it's a uh, kind of a unifier um, and this whole album kind of has to do with the youth of America today um, and I've had, uh certain things happen to our family um certain deaths in the family um suicides in the family with a teenager in the family um who had actually a lot of promise um uh, was just like a bright shining star in my opinion um and that a not tough thing to deal with um when someone young passes away and you lament you know the, the missed opportunities in life and um so that definitely played a huge part in the development of this theme of the album and that song in particular um and trying to kind of make a garden where there was nothing before um kind of make something beautiful if i could out of sadness i guess
0: yeah which i feel like so much of life can often be that exact thing especially because you know, one of the greatest trials that we go through in life is the after a tragedy happens, how do we rebuild? How do we continue to be OK? How do we continue to find joy in life and
1: mm-hmm.
0: not let this horrible thing that has happened stop us from living? Mm-hmm. And yeah. and again, I feel that sentiment very strongly throughout the record. Um, just again, continuing to be like, just hold on, just hold on this. Th- there's this thing here that is wonderful and it's not worth letting go of. Um, also, I liked what you said about it being like an agnostic gospel song in part, cause I don't know if it's a sample that opens the song or if it's your voice pitched up or if you have like a unbelievably high falsetto. No. Um, <laughs> but- No,
1: it's my it's a sample of my, my vocal from that track pitched up.
0: Nice. The reason I so, bring yeah. it up too is cause I remember um, one of the, the 20 to a million from Bonnie there, there were several songs on that one that had like a kind of gospel-esque feeling to it,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but then were like kind of passed through all these like glitchy filters and something about that sample really reminded me of those parts of that record. Um, so I don't know, it was just kind of a, not exactly a tie, but just thinking of the, that kind of, ugh, I can't find yeah. my words right now. Oh Bye. my God. Bye.
1: <laughs> It's not, my music's not gospel, but I'm, the album, that song, and, and many on the album are like, for lack of a better word, spiritual, in a sense, um, grappling with, with life and death, that sort of thing, um, and our place in the world and all the all the things that go along with that, <laughs> that line of thought. Um, and so they are kind of spiritual to me, and they come from a that sort of world, um, that sort of higher power, whether that's God or whatever, but just like the, the uh, dealing with the impermanence of life, obviously, and I don't know, I don't know how to put it, but I mean, (laughs) there's a spiritual aspect to it. Um, It Yes. Yeah.
0: It definitely feels more spiritual and sentiment than spiritual and sound so don't Mm -hmm. get me wrong i don't i yeah i also wouldn't call this a gospel record but again it's just that nice little (laughs) what i know right (laughs) i'm so horrible at pinning genres on records it's like kind of embarrassing (laughs) considering i work in music okay bit over um another couple of lines i really liked on this song it was more Because I kind of sense a contrast between them, which is the line, I live on island time versus I live on borrowed time. Mm -hmm. Again, this is my read on it, which most of the time on my podcast, it's me kind of guessing and then you telling me if I'm onto something or I'm an idiot. Um, Mm -hmm. But to me, like, island time is someone who's really living on their own time. It's, you know, it's I'll decide when I peace out this is very much mine. Whereas mm-hmm. I live on borrowed time to me reads as something I don't have control over. It's you know, it could be taken yeah. from me at any minute. So it almost to me read as someone fighting death or yeah. fighting the temporary nature of life versus someone who's either accepting it or at least realizing it.
1: Yeah. Um you're I think all that's right. Uh and it's a little bit open to interpretation in, in certain ways, um, along with those lines and kind of to address that, what you just said is there's a line, um, I can't complain myself. I've got a lot in life, but I can't help myself the sharp edge of the knife. And it's kind of like about people who might, I mean, I can draw on certain things myself, but like I said, I was kind of writing this with a lot of, uh, with certain people in mind and, and, um, and experiences and kind of that self-harm thing is, is certainly prevalent in America. What it, and that takes on many forms. Um, and also, um, yeah, there, there is, there's, there can be like a, a uh, that Island time that I'm, I'm moving at my own pace. I have my own drum that I, I march to, um, but you can still be grappling with some other, like you can have be seem as cool as a cucumber in some ways. And then you can realize that you're living kind of on the edge in a certain other way. Um, but yeah, um, that line, the sharp edge of the knife is kind of like someone who is dealing with mental health problems, whatever that might be. And, um, and sometimes those people are the people who seem to, maybe haven't figured out or at least are very fun to be around and then privately they have things going on um and yeah a lot of times people are not just that one thing they are a they're a public facing thing and a, and a private thing mm-hmm. um so that's kind of where i was going with that
0: well, it makes perfect sense, and you are really explaining this well, so don't worry. <laughs> Keep on track. Well, with that, I I kind of want to move on to the next song, because it feels mm-hmm. very relevant to the lines that you just pointed out in Helpless, because Mercury, even though it's almost an interlude in that it's very brief, or at least mm-hmm. lyrically very brief,
1: yeah,
0: it deals with the ills of the world, the unease of the world, and the sense of Mercury being in your veins, it feels like there's something... Painful and unwelcome and burning through. you what? Much like? <laughs> I know, what right? I yeah. No, yeah, it's it's no, so it's soothing. Like Mer- yeah, Mercury it, doesn't really have it, a, a. It Sounds
1: like it would burn or do something from the inside. Yeah, it, Mercury through your veins is is clearly not meant to be happening to anybody. Um, but it's kind of like a drug song. Somebody who's addicted to whether it's you know heroin or something, but. I wrote that, I started writing that song just kind of born out of the fentanyl kind of crisis and, and all the opioid opioid stuff. Uh, and that is something that has taken over America quite a bit um, in many ways. And one of the lines in it is, uh, you see it on the evening news, it's not the inner city blues. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like a little, uh, like maybe a joke uh, line. Just, it's not, it's a little bit about how world noticed when it started happening to middle america as opposed to like the crack epidemic where it was like oh that's just how they live you know um or this is like your sons and daughters are addicted to opioids um so that was a little joke inside the song for me um and it it is super brief and it's definitely based on that feeling uh, of the song that the song creates with the guitar work and everything um and I think I tried to write some more verses, but it, I never, it never clicked quite the same as the uh, the line that stayed in there. Um, and yeah, I, I love those lyrics. Um, and that juxtaposition of this awful thing, Mercury in Your Veins, is sung, sung in the sweetest manner, in the most relaxing manner. And the song is meant to make you feel a little bit like, and I've, for the record, have never, <laughs> never done heroin. But it's supposed to make you kind of like feel like whatever, you know, take you into that, that feeling like that release feeling of when a drug takes you over. Um, And, uh, yeah, it's, it's about people poisoning themselves and kind of living with that fact that they will, they're going to continue to do it because it feels good. Yeah,
0: yeah. and it's an interesting point that you brought up about again the opioid um, epidemic versus like the crack epidemic. How it's like we always seem to notice when it's white people, and yeah. <laughs> if it's people of color, it kind of gets swept under the rug or dismissed. Yeah. They live sense. in
1: they live in disarray and filth. And yeah, they, that's is how this is their modus operandi yeah. or whatever.
0: Which isn't even remotely racist in its ideology. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm um, i do not think so. It's kind of like, and even I've definitely, you know, been forced to kind of confront this fact. It's like, you know, a lot of people boycotting the 4th of July this year after Roe v. Wade got overturned. It's, I mean, it's, you know, it's not a great moment, Um, but a lot of people pointing out, it's like, if you're mad about America only now, like, have you not noticed all <laughs> the other things happening to not just women or or white women but everybody else who's been
1: oppressed
0: and yeah it's it's a one of the many (laughs) shitty and frustrating facts
1: there's no point in just talking about hypocrisy which there is and which that is um all the time it just that becomes exhausting itself uh just talking about hypocrisy uh, and noticing it and pointing it out and um yeah it can be can be a dead end in a way
0: uh, in my opinion but yeah well yeah well I, I guess it was worth discussing a bit because the the <laughs> song touches on it but yes it is a very complex and frustrating issue that yeah, yeah. it's gonna be very difficult to know where it starts and where it ends yeah um, but with that in mind we're gonna hop on to the next one which definitely you know mm-hmm. thematically goes in a different direction it's still one of the heavier songs on on the record in some ways you know, or talking about burnout, which has the line, you know, if I'm my brother's keeper, why is he the last why is he the last to know? And at first I was kind of trying to figure that one out. Now I think it's kind of, you know, making me think of how, You and like,
1: me you and me both.
0: <laughs> are you still That's figuring like, out
1: like, does that make sense? And like I just like liked it in the end, but I was like, does that really make sense? I don't I think, know. I think like, it I, does. I know what it means kind of, but I don't know if I said it right exactly. But I know what I meant.
0: To me, it almost seems in a lot of ways the way that like men don't actually tell each other that they love each other. And especially when you have um, like a man or male identifying person in your life who is going through like a difficult time with mental health, like it can be, they're not taught the way that women are to express it. And same with the support systems around them. If their support system is male I don't know. We just don't teach boys to love on each other the way that they deserve to be
1: like punching them, like punching each other like that. Kind of love? No love.
0: Okay. Um, there's <laughs> yeah. a little bit to unpack there, but
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I know I'm being sarcastic. Um, yeah. Boys like punch each other instead of talk about things. A lot of the times they tackle and wrestle like when they're growing up. So yeah, I, I would agree with all that. Um, but yeah that there's a little bit of truth to that in that line that line to me means um just in this kind of crazy world like if i'm supposed to take care of my brother which is just i'm supposed to take care of everybody why is why are they the last to know like why are they the last to know that i'm not their enemy why are they treating me like crap why are they not um why do they why is it not reciprocal i guess you could say just mm-hmm. as a humanity question like why is why are we not leaning on each other why is everybody pitted kind of against each other and if i'm supposed to be my brother's keeper why is like i don't know it's a little bit of a a, a loose a loose uh, uh, word association i made there but uh kind of coming that from that kind of place
0: we're definitely in a time where there's a lot of polarity and lack of compassion so it's it makes sense. Um, another thing, that this, lack
1: of compassion. you right. That's the that's what I was going for. Yeah,
0: that's well. There you go. It it matches. Um, the other thing I was going to mention with this song is there's another aspect, or at least so it seems, of of fighting death, which is the lion pouring lighter fluid on the eternal flame. To me, that yeah, just so seems that was- like someone trying so hard to keep you know like life going mm-hmm. and continuing and. Yeah, not stopping.
1: Yeah, I I just I like that imagery when I wrote it. I, like I've been walking in the pouring rain, dumping lighter fluid on the eternal flame, like you said, and uh, I love that imagery because it's just it's like <laughs> it's a ridiculous image: it's pouring rain and you're dumping lighter fluid on the eternal flame. At some point, you know, it, you you gotta you have to bow out and you have to say goodbye, um, but. It's human nature to to struggle, to um, continue on and persevere and do whatever it takes. Um, but I, I really like that, that line. That might be one of my favorite lines in the whole album, actually.
0: Yeah, I really like it, too. It was definitely one of the standouts. I mean, it's why I noted it. And then the other thing that I was wondering is kind of about the central question of the song, which is, is it better to burn out or fade away? And... I do kind of see both of those of like either t- two different ways that you live your life or two different ways that you go out. It's to me, I kind of read it like going out quietly or going out swinging and like just mm-hmm. going bonkers and doing all this stuff until it ultimately, all, the, stuff. all the things, yeah. Um, you know, so I don't know if that's kind of in the realm of it. If it's like live this big and crazy life with no rules and no limits and burn out fast.
1: Yeah. That definitely is part of that. I mean, it's, it's a phrase that has been bandied about for a long time. Um, Bandied. Uh, And uh, you know, there's song there's been songs written. I think there's like a, maybe a buddy Holly song. um, I think. And, uh, but yeah, that's part of it. we were dealing with uh the death of a family member uh, someone whose health was declining and i was right i wrote that song during that time so it's it has had to do with them um and i will say like if you're single and you don't have kids i think it's better to burn out (laughs) but if you have responsibilities and you have family you're responsible to, or or whatever then fade away uh is the better option it's what i've arrived at um just so you can be there for those people that you're responsible for but by all means do all the things and burn out if you if that's your (laughs) floats your boat but yeah i mean (laughs) you see the you see people burning out all the time especially in la i mean my god uh in the sense of like life like whether their life actually ends or just career wise or uh, people searching for dreams in LA, you know, you you see all of that stuff. Um and it's a very gung ho, like it's a burnout mentality a lot in LA and, and many places as well. Um so all of that is is relevant to this song.
0: Yeah. Well I mean I I also live in LA. I definitely have burned out in my own ways in the past and I work in the music industry, so I'm very aware of the concept of of burning out versus the kind of, I don't know, more either quiet or stable life um, and how both of those lives ultimately end or those chapters ultimately end or however you want to put mm-hmm. it. Um, but I think from there I'm going to kind of close the chapter on that song and go on to the next mm-hmm. one. Okay. I think lyrically this was one of my favorites just because to me, it feels very needed right now, especially for what, like, the kind of age group that I would say are, like, the late millennials and Gen Z, you know, while we're a very, you know, socially active group, some of us more performatively and some of us more genuinely, um, I find a lot of young people can get very nihilistic and hopeless, Because, I mean, there's a lot facing our world, there's a lot facing the United States, you know, there's climate change, there's, you know, watching the government pedal us backwards, um, there's mass shootings, like, there's a lot of awful, awful things, and what I liked about this song is that it acknowledges that the bad stuff is there, it's not just like, just be happy and everything's perfect, but, like, even the line, you say the world is ending, it's only just begun. Like there is more forward so keep pushing keep holding mm-hmm. on keep finding joy keep fighting for what's right all of the things don't mm-hmm. let go and don't give up
1: yeah um yeah, that's exactly right um like i said this is uh, before about the overarching theme was was for a younger audience um, and some certain people specifically in mind this song uh was written to somebody in my family who is no longer with us kind of written as a who would reach him um and so yeah there's there's emotion behind all that and that's uh not just lip service for sure It's, it's about somebody who did think that their life was over and there was nothing forward so it was for them and um well, you, yeah, there's one line, you, you think your life is over, but it's only just begun. You think the world is ending. It's only just begun. Um, but that, that song definitely has this very positive feel to it, for sure, um, and a positive message. Um, and as much as I wrote that for um, the younger crowd and, and my nephew in particular, um, it has. there's parts of it for me for people of any age um you know like some of the most successful people that i i admire um have a trait all in common that you're never too old to stop learning something as well i think that kind of can tie into this theme of that song um and to keep your mind fresh and always know i don't know everything and i will never know everything i'll just continue to Learn about things that excite me um, and improve. Uh, so, yeah, that's definitely one of my favorite songs. I like I like the musical aspect of it, the lyrical message, and all lyric. And it has a cool, really cool bridge, and uh, maybe one of my favorite moments of the entire record on that song.
0: Yeah, well, there's clearly a lot of love poured into it, and like I said, it feels. Very, very neat. There's a few people I feel like I need to DM that song to for either heavier reasons or for lighter, just frustrated, cynical, mad-at-the-world reasons. Um, You know, just be like, keep holding on. Life will always have its great potential along with its crap, so don't peace out.
1: Um, Yeah, what you're you're saying about um, people your generation... um, the younger generations, uh, being bombarded with, with everything all at once, climate change and everything. And, and, and all the many problems we have, especially here in the U S um, and in the world, um, and I'm thinking back to when I was a teenager, uh, and it wasn't like that at all. Like we just weren't bombarded with everything all at once because of phone, we didn't have phones. We would learn in school and be like, oh let's read the history book and that will tell us everything we need to know. Um, and now I can't even imagine because uh, how to navigate all that. It's it's just so gnarly to navigate the uh, internet world. I mean, it's not the internet, it's just social media. It's, it's having your phone with the internet on it and everything that comes with that. It's probably way too much for most people and definitely for developing brains and people who don't know their path in life and and their strengths and weaknesses and everything um so yeah that stuff is scary for sure um luckily i don't as a parent have to deal with that yet um but yeah people people are like there's a comedian who said um when people look back in 20 years at people who are like you gave your kid your phone like to play with like like it was a pack of cigarettes or something like what are you talking about like it's a dangerous world um like twitter twitter is just like a bad neighborhood you wouldn't even go to if it was a real life place you'd just be like no it's filled with like weirdos and mean people and
0: but have you heard of reddit
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) i enjoy reddit a little bit better
0: Really? Because I, like I always thought that Reddit was worse.
1: Well, I don't go there for forums about anything political. I'm only like looking for music stuff. Okay. So that's a different community. There's smart asses and know-it-alls and stuff. But yeah, I would never go into a political forum. That's just, that'd yeah. be too crazy. That, like- that'd be like tw- Twitter or something, you know, reading the comments of the Twitter or something.
0: Yeah. Yeah just comment sections in general are not fun to go through um so
1: and why do i we keep doing it why do we keep looking at comments maybe the comments will be better than the article that we just read yeah (laughs) maybe
0: jeff from
1: idaho will have a good take on this
0: yeah you hear that
1: (laughs) jeff from idaho out there
0: all right to the eight thousand jeffs from idaho um sup uh You mentioned Parenthood, which is a great segue for me to just go for because the next song is up all night. It's funny, initially, when I was reading the opening lines, I thought it was going to be dealing with something heavier. I guess something about like an emotion that we don't speak about, but it ended up, you know, to my pleasant surprise, switching and actually being something really sweet. Because um, it seems to be about your daughter. Um, I mean, I looked yeah. at the video, so I'm gonna guess.
1: It is. It's half about my daughter for sure. Uh, the other half is that my I wrote that uh, when I wrote a lot, a good number of songs uh, during this six week, two month period where my my father in law was health was declining until he passed away, and my wife went up to Northern California where she's from. Uh, to take care of him and she would stay up with him uh, like all night getting him like ice chips and some whatever a a towel or uh, anything he needed um, many nights and so while simultaneously I was here during COVID um, with our daughter uh, putting her to bed and just kind of trying to single parent it for a bit Um, so it does have to do with the daughter it does the up all night thing really came directly from my wife's experience with her father as he was in like hospice um and so it is it's heavy it is heavy to me um but it it it, the up all night thing is this instinctual human uh uh, human instinct that uh, you have when a child is born to take care of them or responsibility to an elder uh, later in life, so it's kind of this full circular uh, life cycle thing, uh, where when you're very older and very old and frail, you need your family support if you can get it, and when you're very little, you're helpless as well, and you need your family support there as well. Um, and yeah, it's kind of like a lullaby. It's, it's uh, to me um, and just like a little sweet song, but it, I wrote it uh, uh, kind of half and half with my daughter in mind and my father-in-law mm-hmm.
0: and wife. Well, even within the kind of heavier aspects of it, I think it's kind of beautiful that it seems to parallel 2 father daughter relationships. Um, yeah. And even though, you know, it's in one hand, it's your wife having to be a caretaker to her, her father as he's, his health is declining. I think the beautiful thing is that it shows, again, the father-daughter connection between both her and her yeah. father and yeah. you and your daughter. It's just the great love that we have. Or like you said, maybe it's a sense of responsibility, but it's we'll sacrifice our sleep for the people that we love to care for them yeah. and make sure that they know that they're loved.
1: I mean, that's like one of the... Yes, I, one, that's like one of the most loving things you end up doing in life is, is being with somebody when they're infirm or whatever, you know, like they just like, can't take care of themselves. And so being there with somebody to take care of them, is like one of the most beautiful human things that that we do, um, is that responsibility for one another. So, yeah, I wanted to instill that in the song and, and really, that was literally one of the quickest songs I ever wrote. Like, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, all said and done, like, I finished that and it kind of, it came out like in an emotional time for sure. Um, And so that one is kind of special to me uh, in in that way where it just kind of came, not fully formed, but, you know, really came together quickly Um, and is really uh, very inspired, I guess you could say.
0: Yeah well again it's it's very felt and like i said it feels like there's a lot of well it's very clear that there's a lot of love in it so regardless of how heavy it gets there is something really beautiful and very human at the core and hopefully in that even if it's just that little nugget it kind of uplifts people too um again humanity remains even in the worst places or in the darkest Mm -hmm. times and that's that's worth holding on to um Going to the next songs, I will admit haunts me, tripped me up a little bit when I was reading it, but the line chasing my tail, looking for you really caught my attention. Sense of initially I thought it was something along the lines of, you know, like someone just continuing to run into themselves. Now I'm almost wondering if it's more of it's like a a feudal practice or what it is. I think
1: that's what it is. I think it's like a ghost. (laughs) almost (laughs) like Something that's in in your, I mean, humans many times create scenarios in their mind that this is the thing that I'm after, or, um, and that you know the in the the one that got away sort of thing, or the, the last piece of the puzzle that you're looking for, um, when in fact maybe that's not really even the thing you should be looking for. Um, but yeah, that song is just a, about I. It's about regret. It's not a personal experience, really, but I definitely I felt that feeling. Um, but I think it's super relatable. Um, obviously, um, I wrote it. It came out of me because it was something that I felt. Um, and I really that song really came out of um, really a demo that was a musical interlude. Um, and and uh, I decided to flesh it out more and actually write lyrics to it and um, yeah I mean I think a lot of people can especially somebody with trauma of any kind or a sort of huge life event um, can relate to that song in the in the lyrics Um, but um, that was musically that was definitely a bit of a departure and was a fun departure um, to go on uh, I can't. I'm trying to think of some lyrics, and I'm blanking on the first, first verse, verse. But was um, there any other lyrics that that you wanted to bring up? That I can talk further on it. I
0: was trying to think what it was. I mean, that was, I guess, the biggest thing. And honestly, even just starting from there has just made the whole song make more sense to me. I mean. Yes, this idea of regret and not being able to let go of something was very clear, but I guess it was kind of whittling it down even more, especially because of Mm -hmm. that line just being like, I don't know, there's just something about it that really caught my eye. And I think with the way that I initially looked at it until I again went back and realized like, no, it's not what I thought was that there was a line in bad times. So hopping over to that, which was, I think it was something along the lines of, you know, being stuck in a prison but holding the key and Mm -hmm. so initially i thought the two lines were kind of both along the lines of you know the only thing holding yourself back is yourself now Mm -hmm. again haunts me is not that but bad time still seems to be it's like someone who could let go of something or could move on or is so close to i don't know overcoming something but it's just staying trapped
1: yeah um That's definitely right. I mean, it's somebody who's dealt with, it's definitely death related. Somebody who's experienced a death and is profoundly affected by it. And, you know, you're kind of stuck in a loop uh, of grief, I guess you could say, and um, finding trouble looking, trying to see your next steps moving forward. Um, And I hold the, I sit, I sit. in prison with the key in hand. Uh, yeah, I, I that is just. I like that imagery. Um, it has. I, I was researching some Rumi poems. Um, the Sufi poet from. He was like a Persian poet, uh, really, really famous. Um, I'm not the first to discover him, but he wrote extensively about many things, but about loss, um, human uh, losing a loved one. Um, which he dealt with, and then he like kind of meditated for 30 years or something. <laughs> like wrote a bunch of beautiful poetry about loss. Um, and that was like a lot of a lot of lines in bad times are referencing some of his poems. Um, he said something about like, you don't realize that you you feel like you're in prison, but you hold the key or something like that. And that was where I, I got that line. Um, but just really beautiful, almost, almost like spiritual advice, uh, that has been passed down. Um, and yeah, that song, that song is about, even though it's very downtrodden, uh, tempo and everything, it's about finding peace with a loss and moving forward and, uh, healing from that wound and, uh, Yeah, it's kind of a cathartic moment. I did that like in basically one or two takes uh, with a guitar and vocal, uh, and then I added things around it on top of it. Um, And uh, there's like a musical interlude where I kind of do this, my poor man's version of a really great singer uh, named Nasrat Fateh Ali Khan from from Pakistan. He's just like a ridiculous, (laughs) probably the best singer who ever lived possibly. In my opinion, um, and I do a, kind of an homage to him with like kind of a spiritual belting. Um, and uh, that all just came out like really quickly, when one or two takes, I think. I think that part of it, the song was the first take. Um, and and uh, it kind of, it's like a cathartic song for me. Um, but also definitely a downtrodden, a bit of a sad song, but the message in it is, is uplifting.
0: Yeah. To me, it feels very much in the vein of the sentiment, the only way out is through. So that again, that line of like sitting in prison, but you have the key. It's like you can get out of this. It's not going to be fun, but the only way out again is through you. If you don't allow yourself to either process grief or or ask yourself the difficult questions that will allow you to heal or or live through the tough days, you won't come out the other side you'll just stay stuck yeah. and, and it's no, like yeah.
1: the the key in hand thing is like how long are you gonna sit there you know like because you're it's just you keeping yourself there mm-hmm. i mean now that's the simple way to put it and i know it's not like it's not, it doesn't work like that exactly but yeah it's like how you do have to ask that question as well of yourself how long are you going to sit there um in uh purgatory i guess you could say um and sometimes people don't want to leave and don't ever leave.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, but you can. Uh, so now I'm not trying to be Dr. Phil here.
0: Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> I feel like a lot of the best music accidentally is Dr. Phil or maybe someone better, someone without the no shade Dr. Phil, but like someone who what? isn't like just a step up from like Jeremy Kyle or whatever, or Maury or any of that stuff.
1: Dr. Oz. We're he's the just... most famous doctor right now, probably. I don't think he's
0: even officially a doctor, or his no, like doctorate like is in something unrelated. No. Yeah. Anyway. He got
1: his doctorate from Trump. Trump uh, University, probably. Yeah.
0: And on that note, we're going to go to the final song. Continuing 10, on. Yeah. Um, which is, again, one of the most... hopefuls. one word, but I think accepting and at peace is probably the better word for who knows. Just because... It holds the heaviness of like, you know, I'm going to die one day. There's the line, in the morning when my days are done, we'll all be running, laughing, having fun. There's To me, I read it as, again, I'm just going to take everything that I can from life. And I'm going to try and enjoy it and be with the people I love until it's over. till the very moment that it's over, if possible. Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. And it's um, a little bit like... Well, I mean, I, I talk about it definitely in the song, um, on my dying day, uh, you know, people, you know, when, I, if anybody dies, it's a sad day, but I wouldn't want people to be stuck in that sadness. I'd want them to live. I would want them to enjoy life, uh, laugh and eat and drink and be merry and all that type of stuff. Um, yeah. I mean, I've thought about it. Like, so you know how some people like on their life celebration day, or whatever they do, maybe it's not the funeral itself, but they'll have like a fun, sometimes people have like a fun day, <laughs> like planned or, you know, where it's fun as it can be, but it's meant to be not a somber day. It's a get together to maybe celebrate the life. But, you know, I wouldn't want I, I would want to, uh, I just, you know, I I'd want my family to be happy and healthy and, and everything. And that doesn't include grieving me forever. You know, yeah. uh, that means living life and all that. Uh, but yeah, that is that who knows. It's like the big question, where does the time go? What the hell is going on? Uh, <laughs> uh, why'd the dinosaurs die out? Uh, um, yeah, that was just like me. I wrote that song just sitting on the acoustic guitar and it just kind of came out um, with the guitar riff and then I started doing lyrical lines on top of it. Um, and I come from like a strictly like a stage sort of upbringing, meaning like not, not like stage, like uh, acting, but like doing live shows, with playing guitar and singing. That's what I do. I do I sing and play guitar at the same time. I've been doing that for a long time. So that's kind of where I'm at my best. Um, even though there's some modern production tricks and stuff uh, throughout the album, um, my bread and butter is definitely just playing guitar and singing live. Um, and that's how I recorded that song um, and wrote it. Um, but yeah, it definitely just con- it conjures up like a sweet, there's a, somber sweetness to it um and then an inevitability that's a tough word for me inevitability um to death but yeah um talking about every song and how it has to do with death is like, it's really bringing me down man no uh, but the whole thing was is to kind of be i i hesitate to say spiritual but yes i'll just say spiritual uh to make the listener at peace if, if possible I and mean, it helped make me a piece, which is why I decided to release these, uh, after a tough several years of losing people. Um, and, uh, yeah, who knows is, it was like kind of just like the natural capper for the, uh, album, the final song.
0: Yeah. Well, know that from, I guess, my own perspective as a listener, that I did find a lot of hope and peace in this record, that even though, yes, it does with heavy things, it's, like I said, it's a sort of lifeline that reminds us that they are part of life and we have to allow ourselves to feel those things and and also not let them stop us from enjoying the parts of life that are good and seeing the great potential that life can have even after tragedy.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I yeah. agree. <laughs> I
0: agree. I'll Sleep When I'm Famous is available now, wherever you normally get your music. This podcast is hosted, edited, and produced by myself, Sophia Lobrecaro, and the artwork is by Meg Welford. Step into the
1: world of power, loyalty